You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. When we make the decision to follow Christ, we put to death the old way of living and in its priorities, which are self-centeredness, focused, gaining our joy and our happiness, our fulfillment out of things of this world. And he says, you died, that, that life died with, with Christ when he died on that cross. And when he rose from the grave, he now offers you a new life and a new kingdom to live into. And so are you? Morning, everybody. I know we're a few days past it, but the happy Thanksgiving. I hope that it was a good one uh, for you. If you are uh, maybe visiting today with family, you're from out of town, you are so welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, if you're uh, maybe watching online or at home, uh, great to have you with us today. Um, whenever Thanksgiving rolls around, I- I've talked about this before. Maybe people are annoyed by it and sickened by it, whatever. They're tired of hearing me talk about it. But I've done a lot of work uh, recently just in my own uh, family history and genealogy. And uh, there's, there's a lot of connection to families that were on the Mayflower uh, and so um, I've just been doing some reading uh, recently and uh, of uh, William Bradford's book of, of Plymouth Plantation. It's kind of the, one of the only uh, doc, historical documents that we have of uh, the early days of the pilgrims and their arrival in Plymouth. And um, it's kind of his own diary. And um, first of all, the, the reason that the, the pilgrims even sailed to uh, this land uh, so early on was uh, that in the early 1600s, um, uh, Scripture, the Bible was was still uh, basically for the people in, in Europe uh, and in uh, London was in Latin. And it was really only kind of authorized that only the priests in the authorized churches would be the ones that could read in Latin and then they would tell the people, this is what it says, and this is what you need to do. So people didn't have scriptures in their hands, knowledge for themselves on uh, who God was and his redemption of the world and his plan for people's lives. Well, after Queen Elizabeth died, uh, her brother, King James, uh, takes the throne and he uh, authorizes really kind of this, it wasn't the first authorization of an English Bible, but it was the one that he said, this is the only one people can read. And he made uh, the, the Church of England the only church that people could attend, and he actually required that people did attend uh, this only this one Church of England, uh, and that only the Church of England could rule over people's lives. Well, what happened is it kind of it kind of bit him uh, because people having scripture now in their own language meant that they were reading it, and we know that that scripture is powerful in itself. That the Holy Spirit does work uh, through the reading of the scripture, and people began to read it and study it and understand it and question everything uh, about what their king was doing, and they said, "We're called to live free lives." But Jesus has given us life and life abundant. We're, we're not supposed to follow uh, uh, after rules and traditions and regulations that, are, that oppress us, but we're supposed to, to live outwardly for Christ. That's what Scripture says. And so there was kind of this uprising of these separatists who decided that they would be better off 
finding a new land where they could live into their freedom, uh, their religion uh, in a free way. One of the things that Bradford writes about early on in the arrival of this group, small group of people, there were about 100 that were on the boat, uh, only about half of them were actually going for, for religious reasons. But one of the first things they did, they had to look for, for food, and they one day came across um, what looked to be a, a Native American uh, small little village that had been uh, ransacked, attacked, destroyed by a, maybe another tribe. And, and as they were, they were, the people were starving, and so uh, they found that there was this corn that had been buried in the ground in this abandoned village. And so they, they took uh, enough that they felt could feed uh, the group as well as that they could plant some of the corn. And they said, but we have to leave a note uh, that says who we are and who, what, how much we took and that we make a commitment that, that in the spring when we, when we grow new corn that we will repay them more than what we took. And there were others that argued, like, what, why in the world would we need to do this? And, and it was all about because... Because this is who Christ calls us to be. Um, here they, they leave their land, their comforts of home. 37 separatists, about 60 others that set sail for this new world. And they left their families behind. They faced incurable illnesses. The loss of loved ones, over half of the group died uh, in the first winter. But they did it in pursuit of of a new life, uh, a life of freedom. It was going to be different. It was going to be difficult, but it was a possibility. Today, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, where Paul is, is talking to this new church. It, the, the gospel has just started to go out into the world, and people are starting to learn about this Jesus that they didn't even know that they had access to. And, and they're trying to learn now, how do, we, how do I live this new life that I'm supposed to live? Because there are people that are telling me I need to live a different way. See, what was happening is that for so long, the, the Jewish people believed that, that when the Messiah came, that the Savior of the world would come, he would only be coming for the Jews. And now we have non-Jews, Gentiles, that are receiving Christ, that are turning from their sin and following this new way of life. Well, there are what were known as the Judaizers in the city of Colossae that were coming along and saying, well, it's not that simple. Yes, you can be a Christian, but in order to become a Christian as a Gentile, you actually have to become a Jew first. And that means that you have to follow our, all of our traditions and our laws, the, the ancient traditions. There's a lot of superstition. And then, and then said, also, and your men also need to become, physically need to become Jews in order to become Christians. So they all need to become circumcised. And there was all this confusion of these people that are like, look, I just want to follow Jesus. And you're telling me that I, gotta, that I have to do all of these things in order to get to him? I thought salvation was a free gift. And so Paul has to write a letter to this church to go, don't listen to them. Don't listen to the outside voices. Don't let them frustrate you. Don't get caught up in having to follow traditions and rules and regulations. You just live into this new life in Christ. But Paul says, but, but let me give you some instruction on what it means to live into this new life. This new world now that you have. The old world is gone. The old life is gone. And you no longer are living for the things of this world, 
But now you live for the kingdom of God. And it's different. And it's full of joy. And you don't have to see things as a struggle or as a battle anymore. But you can live with joy because of the gratitude that flows out of your life of following Jesus. The question for us today is we just take some time to, to focus on giving thanks do we truly embrace this life, that this new life that Christ has given to us? That we've been, do we understand that we've been rescued and redeemed? That we've been pulled away from, from having to sin and the enslavement of sin and the punishment of sin and the fear and the shame and the guilt. And we've been given a brand new life to run into. One of joy and fulfillment. Do we live with thankfulness? Do we let actually let following Jesus change our lives. Part of the conversion experience includes this incredible, radical change of mind that produces uh, within us a desire for a separation from the things of this world. That they don't, they don't drive us, that, that they don't determine our, our emotions and what gives us happiness or, or, or even frustration but that we just get to focus on Christ. And if we do that, then our entire lives, no matter what comes our way from this world, we can still live with gratitude because we live into Christ's kingdom. So Paul writes the, the book of Colossians. It's a letter to this church to encourage them. wasn't an easy time uh, to be a new Christian. Nero was on the throne. He hated Christians. There's a lot of persecution. And not only that, also, as I mentioned, that now you've got other Christians and you've got Jews that are frustrating these new believers and they're just Paul says look don't don't walk away what, what Christ has done for you is too important for you to get frustrated and for you to walk away so let me let me just tell you Paul says how you need to live your life as a believer this is what he says in Colossians 3 verses 1 through 17 it's a it's a pretty chunky text today. We're not going to be able to dig super deep into all of it, but I'm, I want to hit on the parts that I believe that God has uh, really revealed to me today. Would you please stand and let me read this for you. <clears throat> Chapter 3. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality and impurity and passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger and wrath and malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth don't lie to each other seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator here there is not greek or jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian scythian slave or free but christ is all and in all put on then as god's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And, and if you have a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. 
And above all, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Father, in these next few moments that we have together to, uh, to understand this passage just a little bit more, uh, may we come with an attitude of thankfulness that you have given us your word to instruct us on how to live, that, that you've given us your son uh, that has rescued us from ourselves and our sinfulness, that we've been given new life that we want to live into. We just need your help, God, because this world is screaming at us on, on what it is that we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live, and it's beating us up. So I pray that your word would speak louder to us today. May your Holy Spirit work in our hearts, our minds, and our ears. Amen. You can be seated. <coughs> Understand this. Uh, the theme that, that we kind of find throughout this entire text is Paul is trying to help people understand, how do I live into this new life that I have? All of a sudden, overnight, I, I've understood that the need for a Savior, and I understand that Jesus is my Savior, but it seems like it's just not that easy to live this new life. And Paul understands it. He says, yeah, it's not. Because as long as you're in the world, the world is going to keep coming after you. As long as you're in the world, the prince of this world, the enemy, Satan, is going to, he's going to work harder at you to try to pull you away. And they just, they're, they're newborns in Christ. How do we live this life? And Paul is a great example. He's writing this letter of encouragement. If you read through the book of Colossians, this letter, over and over again, he just says, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful that you found Christ. I'm so thankful every time I hear about you. I, I pray for you. And the crazy thing about it is Paul is writing this letter from prison. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. He's, he's innocent, in other words. He's done nothing wrong. He's done the right things. He's telling people about Jesus. And they throw him in prison for it. I don't know about you, but if I was writing a letter uh, and I had been tossed into prison for doing nothing wrong, my letter would not be, oh, I'm so thankful. Right? I just I think about you and it just gives me such great joy. My letter would say so many, this isn't fair, right? You need to contact my senator. You, know, you gotta find somebody. They're not treating me well and the food's terrible. I would it would just be this long list of trying to get everybody to feel sorry for me. And Paul is going, Hey, I just, I'm so thankful that you found Jesus. It gives me joy. I can sit here, it doesn't matter what they do to me, I'm so grateful. Uh, that, that you have found Christ. Now let me help you. Let me instruct you. Let me teach you on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Paul sets this example. We find it over and over again in his writings. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul was a true leader in finding joy and gratitude even in the most difficult times. He never complained. He didn't focus on the world, but he, he just helped them to keep their focus. On Christ. So living in this new world, this new life that we have in Christ, means to live differently. To be renewed. It means to really to, to live better than the old life. And that's what Paul addresses. If you've been raised with Christ, 
then seek the things of Christ. If you haven't, then, then obviously you're going to seek the things of this world. But Paul says, set your sights high or live better. Have a renewed focus, really, is kind of those first four verses are pointing out. If you've been raised with Christ, he had explained it in chapter 2, verse 20, that, that when, we, when we make the decision to follow Christ, we put to death the old way of living and, and its priorities, which are self-centeredness, focused, gaining our joy and our happiness, our fulfillment out of things of this world. And he says, you died, that, that life died with, with Christ when he died on that cross. And when he rose from the grave, he now offers you a new life and a new kingdom to live into. And so are you? Are you living that new way of life? So seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of the Father. That's a position of power and authority. Where he's also praying for us, making intercession for us. He's doing a, a great work, but... As Hebrews tells us, when he sat down at the right hand of the Father, his redemptive work is done. We, we've been rescued, redeemed. We need to receive it. But he's still Lord over all things. He's king over all of creation and all of the universe. Which then makes us say, if that's the case, then, then as a follower of him, I have to want what he wants. My priorities have to be what his priorities are. That is that the world would know who he is, that the world would submit to him, that the world would recognize their own sinfulness and they would follow after him and know that, that God loves them and cares about them and wants to see them rescued. And so, so Paul says, seek the things that are above and set your mind on things that are above. He's talking about a mindset and a heart set. He's talking about desire and delight. That's, every, that's, that's what we're made up of, right? The things that we want and the things that we gain that give us joy. And Paul says that all of that should just be Christ, his priorities, his mandate. That, that all that we would desire, we would put to death all the thinking that, that the things of this world are going to bring us joy. And now we set our mind on things that are above, the things that won't let us down, that never fail. And we pursue them, that our heart wants what Christ wants. What are the things that bring you the most joy? What are the things that you think about the most? And then also, what are the things that frustrate you? What are the things that, that, that shift your emotions, that get you upset and angry? And, and that's what Paul is trying to help them understand. Stop focusing on the things of this world, because if you do, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And let me tell you, it just... We all agree, right? It just does. <clears throat> this world, if we don't have things to worry about, they'll just keep inventing things. I was watching a show the other night. It was an investigative report because I'm 50. And, uh, and so it, but it was on, it was on uh, electric cars, right? I think that they're cool. I'm not, I, I, I probably am not going to get one because I, I, like I like to tinker with engines and stuff. Uh, and, but um, people get electric cars go, I don't really... You know, it's so great because I don't have to worry about, you know, changing the oil and gas and timing belt and all these things that you have to worry about in owning a car. So this investigative report said uh, now there aren't enough chargers in America. So there's a lot of people buying electric cars, but there's not enough chargers. So now they said, so now we have to figure out what we're going to do about range anxiety. Range anxiety. That means the panic that you have of knowing that your car might die before you get to the next charger. 
And, and I'm just going, we're inventing things to make life easier, but in doing so, we're inventing just more problems and things to worry about for ourselves. And, and I got to thinking that, that I understand that the angels in heaven, when one sinner repents, there's this huge choir, but there's got to be these moments like this when the TV talks about range anxiety where the angels are like, Jesus, just go get them, right? Like, I mean, they, these people, right? They, they just were constantly looking at this world and coming up with new things to, to be beaten down uh, about. And not only that, but then I think about me watching this. And, and, and first of all, I'm wasting my time, but also now I'm getting angry. I'm like, range anxiety, right? Now I'm upset. And then I got to thinking. I'm like, well, what, what do you call it now? Because I'm always freaking out. My phone's always at 5%. What's that called? You know? And so I've been realizing, now I've got problems. Before it was just something I didn't care about. Now there's a whole lot more going on in the world. Paul says, set your mind on things above. Because if you focus on the things of this world, it will be endless about what you will let control your life and your emotions, and who you are as a person. And we know when we let this stuff build up, we are not good people. We don't treat each other well, which he talks about here in this text. And we're not living into a joy-filled life in Christ when we focus on the things of this world, whether we think they're good or, or we think that they're bad. What are you consumed with in this world, and how is it changing how you live and how you interact with people? Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 4, he talks about the parable of the sower and, and the seed going out. That is, when the, when the word goes out among people, he says some of it is going to fall on the ground where the worries of this world and the desires of this world are going to come up like weeds and choke the word out of our lives. Are we the kind of people that are so focused on, on, on the things of this world that we let it come up and we let it choke out the truth? of what God's Word tells us, of who we are and how we're supposed to live. What gets our focus? Chapter 2 of Colossians, Paul had addressed this past way of thinking. Man-made religion and rituals and traditions. Wondering and fearing always of whether God cares or hears or loves. And now he's saying a new way of life, a new life in Christ is different from that. Your desire and your focus is now on, on making the name of Jesus great in this world. Showing His power to the world. Showing other people what it means to live a peace-filled life. That you let the peace of Christ dwell in your life. That He's at the right hand of the Father. He's in control of all things. Following Jesus and this new life that he calls us to live in is going from living a life of gaining for yourself to focusing on a cooperation with the God of the universe, the creator of all things, in making his name known. And so Paul says, so here's, here's how you can do that. It's in renewed relationships. First of all, he says you got to worry about your own relationship with yourself and, and with your creator. And he says some really dangerous ways to, to pull you away from trusting in Christ as your Lord, Savior, the fulfillment of all things. He says is you've got you've to put away those things that's, that are all about self-gratification. 
And so he, he says, put to death your sexual immorality and your impure thoughts and lust. Paul says in Galatians 5.24, those that belong to Christ crucify the flesh. Meaning that the desire for, for just self-gratification that, that takes our focus off of him and puts it on, that it's basically saying the only thing that matters is that I feel good. And I determine what feels good, and I can do whatever I want uh, to gain that. And Paul says, you are aiming so low. You're missing the mark. That's what sin means. You miss the mark. So, so you've got to put, put to death those things that, that you think are going to be fulfillment, but you know. As soon as you try to fulfill it, you're just going to want more and more and more, and it's never going to be enough. And it's going to pull you away from Christ. So, so put those things to, de- to death because they've been crucified along with all the passions and desires, and accept the things that are, that those things are dead in your life and make a choice to leave them there. The pursuit of self. So not all the Colossians, though, were, were either were former Jews, many of them Gentile, who never believed that they could ever have Christ as their Savior. But their lives were influenced heavily by Greek culture. They're Greeks. And and that culture says you do whatever it takes to make yourself feel good. Whatever, at any cost. Whether it's to other people and using other people. But you just do whatever you want to because that's basically the ultimate goal in life to the ancient Greeks was, was pleasure. So take it all and have it all. And Paul's saying, but not not for you anymore. It's not going to get you anywhere than, other than further from, away from Christ. He provides what it is that you need. He's where you get your joy. He's what you rest in. He's where you set your mind. Your focus is about Him. And that brings you what it is that you need. But it's not just about self-gratification, but it's also about relationship with other people, not just with yourself, but the things that, that tear away at a follower of Christ are, Paul says, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk and lying to one another. It's how we treat one another in this new world, this new life that you have in Christ. We live differently than the culture. We don't tear people down. We don't talk negatively about other people. It's hard. It's difficult. The enemy loves to, f- to feed that. But Paul says, if you keep your eyes focused on Christ, it'll, it'll, it'll change how you see people. And it'll change how you talk about people. It'll change how you treat people when you understand that we're all in this together. It's not every man for himself. When you become a follower of Christ, you join the body of Christ. And we need one another. Romans 1.18, Paul even talks about it here in this text about unrighteousness and, and God's wrath. But Romans 1.18, he says, the wrath of God has to come out against all unrighteousness and ungodliness. We know that. We know that, that there is a day that is coming. Right now, God is long-suffering, Scripture tells us. He is holding back His ultimate punishment for, the, for sin that is rampant in this world. He's already poured out his judgment upon Jesus, his son, who took our sin 
and the punishment of our sin upon his shoulders. But there are many who won't accept Christ. And, and this world is falling apart. And there is coming a day when God's final judgment and wrath is going to come on this world because of our unrighteousness. Because God is holy and this world is not. And so there will come a day. But Paul says, the wrath of God will come out against all unrighteousness and ungodliness because of unrighteousness suppressing the truth. See, it's sin. It's not just about that it goes against God and he said, don't do it. And then he's really angry because we do it. But Paul says it's because unrighteousness suppresses the truth. In other words, it's fighting against God's desire that none should perish. That all should come and know His Son. And, and the sacrifice that He made of giving up His Son. And so every time that, 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 that God sees sin rampant in the world, it's, it's like a spitting in the face to Him of saying, what you did and your son dying, we don't care and it's not worth it. We're just going to continue to go on sinning. And God's anger is being held off for now, but it will come and be unleashed on this world. So put to death the things that are unrighteous. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying to one another. This world that we live in, not just our culture today, but it was in Paul's day as well, was just every man for himself. Live for yourself. Do whatever it takes. But to set our minds and hearts on things above means that we actually honor Christ, that we desire so deeply to honor his death, his sacrifice that he made for us. And Paul says one of the best ways that you can do that is put to death the things that, are, that you're trying to do for yourself and live for others. Join in with one another in building up the body of Christ. Encourage each other, as 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says. Build each other up. Make that the mission of your life. Pour out unto the lives of others what you're grateful for that Christ has done for you. Because that wasn't the culture of the day. It was every man for himself. And Paul says, this new life that you have, this is different. Now we live for, for him and we live for others. Love God, love others. And verse 10 says, we no longer see people really me versus you. We don't see people as enemies, but now we're together as one. What can I do for you? United by Christ, for Christ, and in Christ. But what needs to change, where it all starts, is our, our own heart, our attitude. Verses 12 to 17 kind of summarize this. As Paul says, so put on God's chosen ones, this new identity that we have in him. We are beloved. We are loved, and we don't deserve it. We deserve to be tossed away by God because of our unrighteousness. He should just rain down his wrath and his anger upon us immediately. But instead he sent his son because he loves us. He cares about us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And Paul says that should change the way that you live and how you treat others. To know that you didn't deserve it. I know I don't deserve it. Why God would give up his son for me, I don't know. All I know is that 
I can just try to return the favor as best as I can, a life of gratitude for it. And the best way to show it is how I treat other people, and I fail often. So Paul says, so here's how you live. Have compassionate hearts. Be kind. Be humble. Meekness. Patience. Forgiving. And he says, be the first to forgive. When somebody wrongs you, forgive them before they even come back to you and ask for it. This, that's how you live differently. That's how you live with a kingdom mindset. But above all, he says, it's got to all be wrapped up in love. Actual love. Agape. Self-sacrificing. Caring love. The love of Christ. Live as the beloved. Everything flows from that. And then he says in verse 15, and let the peace of Christ dwell in you richly. The word that's used there is shalom. And it's an all-encompassing sense of well-being and prosperity. In other words, to let the peace of Christ dwell in you richly is to say, Jesus, you're all I need and that's enough. I don't need anything else. I can rest in the fact that this whole world could disappear. All of my possessions, all of my family members, I could be left alone with nothing. But because I have you, I've got peace. And I'm okay. And, and I'm trusting that you're going to take care of me. And so I'm going to let that dwell in me richly. Because then whatever the world has to throw at me, I'm going to be okay. Because my attitude is what? It's one of thankfulness and gratitude. Thank you, God, for loving me and giving me your son. Because that's all I need in this life. Do we believe it? Do we live into it? That attitude and focus will change everything in your life. Generally, we all know this, a lack of peace in our life results more from, from self-seeking, from dissatisfaction, because I don't, I don't have... I don't have enough, right? So we don't have peace. And Jesus says, if you can get to the point where you realize that I am all that you need, then you will have true peace, shalom. One that you can't create for yourself, but one that I give you because you trust in me. Thankfulness points a person to the realization that all things are provided to us by Christ. And we can rest in that. So Paul says it over and over again. He says, be thankful. Live with thankfulness. Give thanks at all times. He's saying, this is how you live. No longer a pursuit of stuff for yourself and satisfying yourself, but now rest in the fact. Just have an attitude of gratefulness. And you will be okay. Because that takes care of everything. There have been... Endless studies. You go out and, and look at it uh, on, you can find studies over and over again. I read one this week about a study that was done in, at Harvard where they took uh, two groups of people and they said, for this group, I want you every day, I want you to make a list of all the things that annoy you and irritate you. Uh, and then uh, the other group, they said, I want you to take a list and I want you to write all the things every day. I want you to make a list of all the things you're thankful for. And they went back and they actually did a medical study and the people who wrote down the things that they were just, they were focused on the negative, their health had actually taken a, a turn for the worse. And the people who just made a list of things that they were thankful for, their health got better. There, there is a direct correlation between our, 
our well-being and whether or not we are people that are grateful or we are ungrateful. In other words, ungratefulness will kill you. Gratitude gives us life. Can we have peace in Christ? If we we can say, Jesus, I have everything in you, then that changes. What are you thankful for? Jesus. And that's all I need. Everything else is is just an added blessing on top of it. But Paul says, don't focus on the negative things of this world. You focus on things that are above. And what's above, you should be grateful for. Because it has changed your life for the better. The greatest weapon that we have to fight against negativity and anxiety and worry and competitiveness and slander, which oftentimes we just say, just stop doing it. Like, I don't know how to stop doing it. Be grateful. Find out what you're thankful for. Praise God for it. And those other things will begin to melt away because they will not be your focus. Our focus is on what we're grateful for, and that's Christ himself. Paul says in verse 16, here's how you do it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the truth of God's word dwell in you. Don't just read it. Don't just read it to get through it and think that God in some ways is going, good job, you read those words. Dwell in you. Abide in it. Live into the word of God. And what will spring out of it will be thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then he says, and in doing so as a community, let that come out of you as a group. In, in, he says, in singing praises and worship and song. Because as we sing louder, as we sing out together, as we proclaim the truths of God's word, we're encouraging each other in our gratitude. You don't come to worship with a heart of, I hope I get something out of this today. But it's, you know what, I get to bring something to the Lord and to the people around me. That we just become a choir of gratitude. Because he deserves it. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. And let us offer to God our acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Because our God is a consuming fire. He deserves our thankfulness. And so Paul sums it up. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it for his glory with thankfulness for all that he's done for you. This is why we do it. I praise God and I give him thanks for all that he has done for me. If you want to battle against the things of this world, the secret is given to us in his word, gratitude. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I pray to leave here today understanding that God, that that this world does not operate the way that, that your kingdom operates, but, Father, that we're called to change that. So help us to live into your kingdom each and every day of being salt and light in this world, living differently, that we don't follow the patterns and the ways, the traditions of this world, but that we, that we could rise above it, not because we think we're better and others are worse, God, but but because we know that, that we've been rescued and redeemed and we want all people to know the joy of knowing you. So Jesus, out of our thankfulness for your willingness to lay your life down on that cross, would you help us to lay our lives down? 
to not pursue the things of this world, but to pursue you. Amen. Please stand.